you, this is a very serious question, Beaver. How are you doing? I hope, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you find yourselves in good spirits. Hopefully that, uh, you know, wherever you are, uh, that you are doing good. That's right. How's that? You're good, and you're doing well. And you're it's all good. good. I hope it's all good in the hood. I hope it's all good in the hood. Um, it isn't all good in the hood. There are some um, highly problematic structural issues that impact the hood. However, the hood is always good. But the, right. the hood is always key. You the hood's know, good, the, man. The hood's good. It's right. like Colin Quarley right. said, man. You know, feel free to get out the hood, but always remember to holler back. You are back yeah. with the Two Dope Teachers and a Mike podcast. I'm Gerardo Munoz. And I am Kevin Adams. He is Kevin Adams, and I am not. And son of the, Eula Adams. And so, that's right. That's right. I am Gerardo Munoz, son of Sarah McGregor, um, which is not what people <laughs> would expect to hear, but that's okay. Huh? I, I stand my sky. So we've been watching. So my my spouse has gotten super into Scottish culture. We're watching some things. Really? Like, yeah. We're watching some things on Netflix. It confused me. Um, but now she's committed. She's like, we got to go to Scotland. We got to find out about your background. And I'm like, you there know, you go. all of these shows portray the McGregor's in a really bad way. And I don't <laughs> like it. I'm not here for it, but you know, it's You're like, it's on brand for me to be like connected to a clan that was highly problematic and gotten a bunch of trouble, I suppose. Um, hey, hey, hey. And it runs, it runs deep in your bloodline. Literally, literally like that's in my blood. Yo, if this is your first um, Two Dope Teachers in a Mic podcast, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? What, what, yeah. Yeah. Where you been? Where you been? Where you been? Oh, you're not. Oh, now you go, go to the up. late now you party. Run up. Now you're going to roll up. You're late. But yeah. But don't leave the party, though, for real. Like That's all right. <laughs> At least you showed up. You can't. Show up late and stumble in. Late. Fashion. Because you were a celebrity. Show up late and stumble in. That's right. That's right. There well, we, we welcome you. We welcome you. Bruh, this is episode 97. 97 97 was a was a wonderful year 97 was interesting 97 it was, it was it that was right that was my first year of college that Bruh. was like or well i guess i guess it was like the end of the first year of college for me end of the first year okay 97 Eight yeah for me, that was like my third year of college bro i'm old for real <laughs> You're not so that old. older than you. You know, when you uh, when you get to my age, Kevin, um, there are certain things you start to realize about things. Uh, yeah, I'm going to realize once, like, when, once you get up to this age. Once you get to my age. Although the problem is you realize things and then you forget them immediately. You should be like, look, uh, look at here, young man. Look at here. Look at here, youngster. Hey, sit down. Um, <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> so we, me and Kev, we here. We, we out here bringing the Thursday vibes um, during second winter. Are you tired? Second winter. Are you tired? In full effect. Are you Hopefully like, it's, I was like, that damn groundhog lies. <laughs> You're like, more like punk Satani Phil. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know it's bad when you're insulting a groundhog. You're like mad at a groundhog. And now you're mad at the groundhog for being right. It's like, how are you going to get scared of your own dang shadow, bro? Like, it. Hey, shadows are scary when you live underground. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because you're not used to them. I <laughs> whoa, whoa. Like, whoa, what's that? Yeah, man. No, I think I broke my shovel, bro. I think I was going to wait until wintertime to get a new shovel. And I. Uh, so what you've done is ensured that it's going to snow at least two more times. Well, it's still usable. <laughs> I don't know. Man. Okay. As long as you just don't throw it out. If you throw it out, no, I ain't throwing you're it getting out. a blizzard. I ain't throwing it out. I'm going to buy a new one before I throw out the old one. That's the hard part about this time of year, though. You can't find a shovel. Like, they're like hoses and weed killer and lawnmower. You're like, I need a shovel. They're like, they're like, we ain't got shovels. That's wonder time. They're like, we have a shovel to dig in your garden, to dig dig a hole. Can you imagine that shoveling, help? Your, shoveling your walk with this, like, little spade? <laughs> I'm going to be out here for a few more hours, peoples. It's like. I'm like, like, yeah, no, I'm just, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of the snow. Real talk, bro. I'm tired of the snow. This is the point where people get that way. That's how my daughter was. She was like, okay. The other day she was like, it's snowing again. It's you snowing. know, like when you get, you see something, you're angry about it. Real talk, man. That nice, real. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're here though. And uh, that's why I have the tropical background because I'm just in, um, in denial right now. Yo, people we are, can't see. This is a podcast. People can't see your tropical. Oh, that's okay. That's I, why I'm, I, yo, that's I can why, see your tropical background. That's why I'm telling people about it. 
That's you should have said, that's why I've gone to the tropics. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was like, this is actually where I am right now. I'm posted up on the beach, chilling. Shout out to Rodney Robinson, who helped me realize that this was a background that was available to me on Zoom. <laughs> he helped, um, helped you realize this was a possibility. It was all yeah. a dream. <laughs> that's right. We've all we've had some dope conversations lately, folks. If you haven't uh, listened to our episode with uh, Rodney Robinson, uh, twenty nineteen National Teacher of the Year, that was a blast. That was so check it cool. out. Check, check it, it out. out. Also, if you have not checked out the Exit Interview, which uh, is co-hosted by Kev and Asia Lyons, we're talking to black teachers about things that force them to leave the profession, and it is painful. It is wrenching. It is cathartic, but it's also inspirational because you start realizing yo maybe this system needs me more than i need it that's right that's right you can't quit on me right now kev though you can't quit till i quit <laughs> we're, we're gonna quit at the same time we're gonna be like we out i quit <laughs> we i out. quit i quit <laughs> take this job and shove it <laughs> there, there's i wouldn't so say many that. great ways to do it so yeah many, so many good <laughs> There's a lot of country songs about quitting your job. My yeah. favorite is Oni by Johnny Cash. Have you ever heard it? <laughs> Oni? It's such a great one. It's that's you're just like, yes, that's how you do little, it. A little problematic, but um, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say if, if Johnny Cash was a rapper, he would have been canceled like after one album. Uh, but he's not a rapper because uh, that's how it goes. Um, Johnny Cash and Tupac. That'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, that would have been. Oh, that's the hologram when they bring back Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Johnny Cash and Tupac hologram? That was great. Up there. That was great. They did a duet. Um, yeah. So check out Exit Interview. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, we're not going to quit our jobs anytime. Well, if we quit our jobs, we will, like, we really like our principal and we won't be mean about it. So that's um, right. So that's kind of, oh, man. Now I feel like I'm going to start the gossip. Anyway, yo, oh. <laughs> follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I was going to say Twinstagram. Whoa. In Twinstagram. Twinstagram. <laughs> That's a new thing. We're gonna y'all can get that. on that. They started that after they after Chapsnats went down. Yeah, after Chapsnats got canceled. Um, do kids still laugh like ridiculously when you say Chapsnat? I don't say it anymore because they don't. They're like, I guess they're still on Snapchat, but that was the best to be like, oh. yeah, you get them. It's so like the my, seventh, my seventh graders really think that that's what I think it's called. Like, they're like it's not chap snap munoz it's snapchat i'm like, like that's what i said i, I don't know y'all y'all always on the chat oh, wow. my computer snap. my computer just asked me if i was playing music right now <laughs> are you playing music i don't think so why is um, your computer asking you hey, anyway i'm like you listen to music right computer. now mind your business computer um so yeah, so follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. You can like us on Facebook at Two Dope Teachers. Also, show ideas. Send us an email, two dope teachers at gmail.com or general praise. Um, and what else am I leaving out? Oh, the Patreon. Shout Patreon. out to all the patrons. We love y'all. Your books are coming. We promise. Uh, we had a shipping issue, but it's been resolved. We here. So they should be out there with you soon, hopefully. If you've moved, change your address and Patreon. So I'm going to send it to the wrong place. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you can also help us out. If you like what you're hearing, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Um, it helps others find our content and helps erase the two-star that we got a while back. Yeah, we're still salty about, about that. I'm, I, need, I need to stop being salty, man, because sometimes like haters like just, you know, they're going to happen, right? Haters gonna hate. They hate us because they ain't us. Yep. Potato and potatoes gonna potate. Listen. That's right. We got That's a right. dope. We got a dope conversation coming up, don't we, Kev? We do. We do. We we have we have an author in the house. A author. children's I, author. I think this is our first children's author. Um, yes. Yeah. It's very exciting. So, uh, uh, Hodo Hussein is a member of the Ontario College of Teachers and York University. A bachelor of education graduate. Prior to her education degree, Hodo Hussein spent her years pursuing her undergraduate degree in honors psychology with a specific focus in child development. Her aspiration for lifelong learning and commitment to the success of students with diverse social, cultural, linguistic, and academic backgrounds 
encouraged her to use her skill set in fostering interdisciplinary language learning and inquiry when approaching the field of elementary mathematics. This is like some next level stuff, man. Yes. Her contributions were recognized by the Global Forum of Education um, in their top 100 leaders of education in 2020. Uh, so that's what's up. She aspires to so check this out, y'all. She is aspiring to create this learning environment for children to use poetry, rhyme as as mnemonic devices. Easy for me to say um, to further enhance math concepts and help kids not feel so alone during a pandemic. Perfect. I, I how how you put it all wrapped up and. And do some representation for people whose names might not be Fancy Nancy. That's right. That's right. Not Fancy Nancy. She got bars. She got bars, but but not like not like Manal Mahal. Manal Mahal. And the man. double cookie party. That's right. So we're gonna talk about that. I you know what? I don't know what a double cookie party is, but I oh, but you you one. finna learn today. I finna learn. <laughs> learn. So folks, we uh we appreciate you. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for your ongoing support. Um now, I guess this is the time we tell people to enjoy the interview. Enjoy. All right. What's good, everybody? We are here with children's author and educator, Hoda Hussein. Uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit about our work. I'm here with her. I'm here with Kev. This is Crossing Borders, Kev. We're, there we we're, go. We're international today. Hoda is in Canada uh, we're in the United States, which is um, like the worst possible version of Canada. And so that's <laughs> what we got going on here. How are you today, Hodo? I'm doing wonderful. I, I, I want to say the same for me on our end. We're just a bit confused, but we're home and we're, we're comfy. Um, so that's a positive note on my, my end. There we go. There we go. <laughs> what part of Canada are you in, Hodo? I currently reside um, in Toronto, Ontario. All right, the, uh, AKA the six. Yes. <laughs> uh, Kev knows this stuff. Kev, Kev is worldly. This is what we love about Kev. He is absolutely worldly. There we go. There we I'm go. actually so glad it's um, becoming popularized now today. Because I remember when I was a kid, any type of actor, musician, um, any business person that uh, would say, oh, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, and they reside in the U.S., we would like, point the finger at the TV. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> they know our place. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and, That's it. and we were talking a little bit uh, before we started about you know sort of the COVID situation, and um, you know I was complaining Kev about how like out here we just kind of think that there's no pandemic. Like we we could, if we just try hard, like there's no pandemic. And <laughs> um, and Hodo, you're you're currently um, quarantined in Canada. And you've and you and you had a way of kind of explaining um, what it's been like in that situation. <laughs> oh yes, I feel like when we're looking at other parts of the world, it seems as though um, you are all in a stance of just moving forward, like you're moving beyond and going out. Whereas us, I feel like here in Toronto or even Ontario per se, we're in the states. Like it's like we have one foot in the water, one foot out of the water. Either we are okay. All right, free for all. Everybody have fun. Oh, no, 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 we're not. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Go home, everybody. Go home. Yeah. Go yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> Go home and stay there. Pretty much. Go home. That's it. Yeah. It's like when your parents were in that kind of like temperamental mood where like you're, you know, one, one second, everything's good. And then you do something and then they're kind of like, go to your, go to your room now, go to your room. Yes, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. Going to my room. I'm going to my room. Okay. I'm going to be in my room right here. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see how we come out of this, man. It's just definitely interesting. And, um, and, and we also, so Kevin was really also, uh, awesome by greeting you earlier by saying Ramadan Mubarak. And, uh, that comes from the two dope nation. We do hope that this has been a good time for you and we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. I do want to say for those listening, Ramadan Mubarak to everybody out there. Um, and I hope you all are having a wonderful Ramadan, your goals being achieved first and foremost um and then moving forward that that you you make it and inshallah which is our our saying for god's will yes yes 
Absolutely. This is great. Well, so we're going to start off. Uh, so we'll talk about a couple of different topics. We want to get to know you. That's always um, kind of the, the goal of two dope teachers in a mic. And then I uh, want to talk a little bit about um, about your your book and this wonderful story that you're uh, trying to bring to the world. So uh, let's start off with um, just how you came into teaching. Um, what is it kind of in your background that maybe put you on this path? Was this always a goal? Just kind of sneak up on you? I honestly believe there was an inherent at first. Um, when I was a kid, I liked to read. Um, I liked to also ask questions at the same time. So I figured eventually um, there's going to be a route in my life where I'm going to be asking questions, but also guiding people along the way. Um, and then it all came down. My name is actually Paul Gall, it's pronounced Paul Gall, um, and it is um, Somali for enrichment. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. It all came together at the, at the end of it. Moving forward, um, I'm also considering myself um, someone who likes to be around kids and like to help people. And I wanted to be in a place where I was able to do that and still have my youth at the same time. And somehow, naturally, through um, all of the efforts that I've done, either volunteering and really taking upon myself to learn the practice of teaching, I ended up in an environment where I'm able to do so, still teach, still ask those questions and have fun along the way. Yeah, that's great. So it was manifested with, with uh, your name, um, Hodlo. Is that? Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. I grew up like my, my name's Gerardo Munoz. And so like, I am, I, I, I know what it means to have your name pronounced incorrectly all the time. Um, Kev, I had this experience, like I had somebody literally start calling me G and they didn't have permission to do that. Like, I'm kind of like, how are you going to, no, I, you don't know. Some people can use that. You can't use that. You're just like, no, I don't like that. No, so, I don't um, like that. No, I, lo- I love that though. Um, the, um, the, the connection to the name. And so for, for you, it was kind of always there. It, it was kind of a natural path for you. I, yeah. And it didn't take me until my adulthood to, to really think about that and, and realize, oh, it all comes back together. Kind of like, you know, at the very beginning of a book when, um, the author just gives an out of context scene, but the scene just kind of wraps itself within the plot and it all comes back together. And you're like, Oh, okay. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I teach it. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's like a common trend. I think that we see amongst black. Oh, my dog's going crazy. There's all sorts of noise in my house right now. Franz has things, Franz has things to say. Franz will not be silenced. That's right. That's right. That's right. He has a story too. I mean, that's right. Franz has a story. He, he, yeah. What is, can, can, right. what is Franz's story? Oh, uh, that, that, that we can't go there. That takes us way off. At some point. That, hey folks, keep uh, listening to two dope teachers. It's, in mic it's, it's, have too, it's a, a long story. It's, it's not a short one. Like <laughs> many of my stories, but, uh, but like, I think we find that there's a lot of black teachers and teachers of color who, who are like, have this calling from a young age, right? And it's different experiences that they've had. And it's always like, teaching is like almost part of our cultures and our communities, a deep part of it. And, and um, it's like a lot of us have that calling, you know, to it. Um, and I think that's just really important to acknowledge. And, and just um, the more I hear it, the more I feel more reaffirmed in my path. But uh, so tell us a little bit about your teaching experiences in a Canadian school, uh, because we only know about teaching experiences here in the United States. And uh, being a teacher of color uh, here in the United States, we are often, you know, minoritized, tokenized, um, you know, but how does it feel in Canada plus being a Muslim woman on top of it. How does that, what are, what are your experiences? Tell us about those. Um, I feel like it really compares and contrasts to me as a student. Um, and I feel that as a teacher, what I want to do is create that space where I can feel comfortable practicing a, my religion and really sharing my cultural stories as well. Um, one of the particular um, moments that I think about is, is, is Islamically the practice of prayer and as a teacher I still feel like there's that awkward conversation that I may have with colleagues um, because um, in Islam we pray five times a day and during that time perhaps two prayers reside during the school day 
So for me, it's all about trying to find that place where I can do so without having that awkward call. Just going, oh, oh no, here we go again. And so it's like, you know, you know, we can talk about it. I mean, this is something yeah. that we can discuss. It's natural, like, for me to have that conversation with you. And I still feel like even as that day, there's still that awkward sense to discuss. Um, when it comes to, like, wearing the hijab, for example, um, I felt that there was a lot of um, awkwardness when I was a child. Um, but now I'm very fortunate um, to be around a lot of Muslim women who are teachers as well, um, who it's wear great. the hijab. So it seems like, you know, um, it's natural there to, to, to see and to acknowledge. Um, and that's great so that our students can see examples on our end. That, that representation um, piece is so big because, you know, Ke- Kevin and I, um, when he and I first started working together, he was the only black teacher. I was the only brown teacher. And, you know, so it was definitely that awkwardness that you describe. And now, Kev, like, I would say what our staff is like a quarter teachers of color at this point. We have like a good number. I'm not a mathematician, but there's a lot more than there were. There's more than there's there a were. Lot more, there's a lot more than there were. And it just doesn't um, feel as weird anymore. There's, I, I still, there's still not so many that I can't count them all on two hands. No, we can name right? them probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I, what I love that you mentioned prayer, you know, and, and does your school community have like a prayer room uh, for Muslim teachers and students? Yes, yes, you do. So um, it, it, it's becoming inclusive in the sense that um, it's slowly starting to have that conversation. So if you want to pray, you can do so. Um, and, and so what I want to achieve or what I aspire to do in the future um, is to make that space also open and available for students to be confident. That's so great. Um, when I was a student um, and during the time of Ramadan, it was so hard to discuss that. We would just say like, you know what? Oh, I'm fasting. Okay, no worries. She's fasting. And, and, and more so just became an excuse not to run into in class. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. and, Sorry, and, I can't. I'm fasting. Yes. <laughs> I'm fasting. Just walk. It's okay. Just, you know. All right. But that was pretty much it. And like now I'm starting to see more stories being brought about and, and traditions and like goals being set upon in Ramadan that are offered in schools. And I was like, yes, this is what I, I really wanted to see. Yeah, I think I think it's so important, like Corrado said, and, and your answer, like to be there for the students, I think is really important and powerful, um, you know, because and, and I think even for the non-Muslim students, right, or your non-Muslim colleagues, like, you're like, yeah, ask me about prayer. I know I'm praying. I pray five times a day yeah. and I'm going to be <laughs> praying five times a day as long as I'm here. So we go ahead and talk about it, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, working progress, working progress, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. It's it's interesting because, um, you know, like, as you said, that, you know, you're in a community that has more Muslim women and more uh, women who wear the hijab and, and how that sort of, it just creates more of a home and more of a community um, for you. Um, was that was that something that has factored into your career path? Like, has it been a kind of focus to say, I need to, I need to work in a community where I can be understood and where I can be welcome? Yes, of course. Um, primarily because um, I didn't see that when I was a student. And yeah. I can count, like, I can tell you the first um, teacher of color that I had was my grade 12 teacher. Wow, um, senior year. Senior year you, high you were school. finished. <laughs> thinking about it, yeah, thinking about this now, wow. and I'm like, wow, I, I really, and then when it comes to like Muslim teachers, I don't think I've ever had a Muslim teacher now that I think about it. I think wow. it, it took me up until teacher's college when I had um, an instructor who was Muslim who brought that conversation into practice. Yeah. Wow, it took me up until teacher's college to see this. Yeah. Wow. I, I kind of don't want to see that. Yeah. I mean, you're already making that difference, right? You're, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a good number of Muslim students? Yes, I have a good number of Muslim students and I have a good number of Somali students, which is great. Oh, that is, that, that, beautiful. I mean, That's beautiful. It, it, it's one of those things, like I remember writing at one point, um, 
you know, the phrase, your existence is resistance. And I think that just like existing as your authentic self with uh, students, that's so powerful just in and of itself. Um, so that's amazing. Especially the younger students, because right now I'm in elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I remember there was this um, project that we had at hand, and it was to create an autobiography of yourself. And giving my example, I had pictures of me when I was a child. It wasn't until parents night that a parent actually um, confronted me and told me, um, my daughter really appreciated um, seeing your picture because she would compare and contrast her baby pictures to mine. And so, you know, I think oh, it's amazing. like, <laughs> and it's so like I'm really glad to build that rapport and to see that. And it's, it's, it's really great to, to, to have that in, in, into practice. Yeah. You, you kind of hinted that, um, that your experience as a student was really different than what your experience as an educator is kind of opening up to be. Um, was it a matter of just being not understood and just kind of like, okay, we don't understand, you know, that kind of thing. Or did you have experiences that were really hurtful and really damaging? We're taking, we're taking say, deep. You don't have to share those. Yeah. <laughs> Getting deep. Yeah, you're I, I like, we're going say, deep. I would say my childhood, the best way I can explain it, my childhood student experience was, was pleasant. Like it was positive. We mm-hmm. had a great experience where we were learning and in a learning environment, but it was surface level learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I started to grow, I really started to question what I was learning. Um, yeah. We didn't have that sense of, of, building that uncomfort level it was more so oh you know today we learned the basic math concept fractions um or we in social studies more so we learned about canadian government um Mm -hmm. but when it came down to multicultural day which was seems to be the only day where we actually talk about culture and religion it just became surface level we bought food and right and that's it like yeah that's you greeted each other maybe you greeted each yeah. other in another language and oh that's cool yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. cool that's amazing welcome and for somali so the comment um and it's like oh okay and then it just seems like a, a fun experience then you start to grow and you're like wow i really didn't put myself into the learning that i was doing i was just accepting and moving forward yeah yeah yeah, that, that's that's important because I think that um, I think that when we talk about what students of color experience, you know, it, it isn't so much that it's painful. It's just sometimes it's surface, it's inadequate, and you know, eventually we get hungry for that stuff. And I think that um, that's an important point. So, uh, so your your second year as a student teacher was cut short. Uh, by COVID-19, just like with everybody else. Um, how has this moment affected your path as a teacher? And how is your how was your adjustment, um, you know, to teaching the students that you were teaching? You're, you're currently teaching uh, junior classes, grades five and six, right? I had this completely wrong. Yeah, okay. from our and, and hold on real quick, because we're we are from the United States. Can yeah. you go over like how the Canadian grade, just give us like a little breakdown of the, the Canadian education system. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. okay. That'd be important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, it's the same as us, right? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't realize how, di- how different it might be. Um, and so we actually doing worksheets and I think it was like grade six is grade six junior high for you. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. And I had a student who was a grade six, like we're not we're not in high school. I'm like, no, no, it's not the same. <laughs> okay, so we have kindergarten, which is our junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten classes. Then we have primary level uh, classes, primary level grades being grade one, grade two, and grade three. Okay. And then we have junior level classes, which is grade four, five, and six. Okay. We have um, intermediate, which is grade seven and eight, and then senior grades, which is the high school, okay. um, grade nine to 12. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. That's good to know. So, so it's, it's similar, just it's named differently. It's like a little bit. Differently, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and 
And in Canada, do, is there like test to move from grade level to grade level? No, but we do the standardized tests that we do have is just to see on a province-wide level how well the students are achieving. Okay. Uh, so we have EQAO um, in grade three, um, and that's to test the math skills and language skills um, of grade three students to see if they've reached the, um, the credentials of grade three. Um, and then we have grade six as well, EQAO, and then grade nine and ten. But that's just a way for us to do research um, on their their academic skills, not necessarily a way for them to advance to a new grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. So, so it's like a window on what they're proficient in, and you just and you don't tie anything else to it. They, it's just you, now. Yeah. Is school funding tied to that growth in those tests? <laughs> do, do, very schools get, <laughs> do schools get shut down because like the kids don't demonstrate enough growth? Just asking because just asking, that happens know. down. That that, yeah. that happens down here. Oh yeah, yeah, we're all. Oh, I'm actually quite curious. Please do elaborate, please. Um, yes. So, mm. like, so in our in our school district, and I think this is like a a state law that schools have to have a like a rating, right? And so they are rated based on a variety of factors. Um, you know, student and parent satisfaction in the school. Um, graduation rates, maybe, but also um, test what we call growth, right? And so there's an expected amount of annual growth, and we're compared to other schools. And so like, if your growth is not very high, then um, your school can be put like on a list of watch schools. So like the government will be kind of monitoring you, which means, you know, you need to do some work to get those test scores higher the next year. And if that continues, if you continue to have uh, not meet their growth targets, and Gerardo, I don't know what if you know them, but if you don't meet the targets, then the school can be taken over by the state and then put on a plan, closed down completely, and then uh, they develop a plan for the school. And maybe that plan might be to reopen the school with a new kind of trajectory or program emphasis or it could be or yep new leadership or get rid of all the teachers or it could mean shut the school down completely put a whole new school in the building or in some cases two to three new schools in one building (laughs) so it's it's and y'all can't see but hodo is like shaking her head like i'm baffled because now my question is because you're talking about the idea of growth right yes Uh, who creates the test? <laughs> Pearson. Um, well, you've you you've only heard you just heard about the system and started to come up with like the, the I mean, number that, one flaw to but, it. But that's what it is. Is yeah, you, you, but yeah. Yep. If you're talking about growth, right? The growth is individualized. It's by the student, right? And the only group that can assess that is the teacher who has been with them since the very beginning. Right. Now a test that's standardized should validate the growth of the individual student. Right. So if you want to talk about growth, you should be creating tests for each and every student. And that it, is not the same, it's differentiated. And yeah, and the, and the notion that a school is not growing, I think is really problematic because of what you say. There are some students that will grow less than others and that there are a lot of mitigating factors there. I, I do remember we used to have a, um, a standardized test, the CSAP. I forget what it stands for. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the, and it was really interesting because when our, um, when our local governments and state government especially started to tie uh, school ratings to these tests, the, the folks who created CSAP were like, that, that's not what this test is for. Like, that's, that's, no, what are you doing? <laughs> like, and, uh, and so then it, it sort of became very clear that there are a lot of testing firms that frankly make a lot of profit off of um, the need to have this test. And so, um, so, so the testing firms have gotten to the point where a lot of them are actually starting to dictate how schools run and how districts run and how education policy is set. Um, and, and that is a real problem to your point. That's a real problem. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. It's so- a trip. <laughs> Has there been any active resistance in this sense? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, and, 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 and 
because of our system of government in the United States, every state kind of has their own uh, testing system, right? Or um, program, but they're required to have some sort of measurement of schools. And, you know, states like Washington State have, have actually the parents organized, the teachers, a statewide movement to boycott the testing and they've changed it. And now I think they, they have testing, but it's like limited to one day mm-hmm. a year. Like wow. that's it. And like how they can use the testing results, I think is, is very like specific. And you're, not, you're not punished. You're not punished as a school if students don't perform well or if they simply don't take the test. Um, you know, that, there was a real movement there and there have been um, similar movements kind of emerging and, and they, they tend to be most successful where um, the whole community is engaged. Like so in a system that that often does pit teachers against students, against parents, against school leadership, it's really easy to keep these really bad practices in place. But, you know, as, as Kevin said, in places like the state of Washington, where they all kind of came together and said, collectively, we say no to this, um, there's been some success. And so, but it's going to vary state by state. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah. So I hope that change because, Ah, uh, no, 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 no. I can yeah. write a whole paper about that right now. <laughs> yes. I mean, we could do a really interesting episode about yeah. like, comparing and contrasting the educational system in Canada and the United States. Uh, but I, I digress because I asked about no, yeah, the grades. It's, but, it's, but it's interesting. It's interesting because I think like, I, I think that is one of the things like we, we, we live in our particular environments and um it's hard to see the flaws like of an environment if, if we don't have anything to compare it to. So, uh, Hodo, thank you for interviewing us also. Um, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, brought my the, podcast mic just for there the you go, There you go. Oh, that's a good mic. That's a good mic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, so um, we were kind of talking a little bit about COVID-19 and how that changed things for you as an early service educator for the students that you are serving, for the students that you're serving now. What, Junior what, classes, grade five classes. and six. Yep. Five, so six. What yeah. happened to my grade five and six? They're going to hear this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So how, how would you describe that adjustment? Oh, I thought it was different. Um, <laughs> kindergarten, <laughs> different is the, the best word I can put it because... <laughs> I think independence is huge and going from kindergarten where they're in this environment of exploring and learning, you have to really take a step back and let them run the show and adapt and observe them there. I felt like when I was a student teacher in kindergarten, um, just to give a little background, that was my second year of teaching practicum, the last semester, that's where I was. And then COVID-19 hit. But prior to, it felt almost almost as though I was my um, doing my undergrad psychology degree, which is just observational research. And you just conduct your learning from there. Whereas in grade five and six, you have an enrichment full of um, learning and conversation that's going on um, that is also structured too. And it's more so um, tapping into the conversation with them as opposed to adapting to the state of ambiguity when it comes to the younger ones um, and growing from there. So I think when it came down to COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, I really wanted to provide an environment for the students to help them adjust, the kindergarten students to help them adjust to what's, what would have been or what had been the pandemic. Only the only problem was as teachers, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right, right. We just thought the lockdown was going to be five weeks during spring break, and they come back, and everyone's going to be happy again. And I remember the last conversation I heard from the youngest students was, "I'm going to go to so and so's house during the March break. Oh. See you soon." And I didn't see them again. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hard, that, that was the, I think one of the hardest things about last year was just the complete, you know, and, and I, and we are at a six through 12, grade six through 12, a middle school and a high school, what we call them here. But, uh, you know, to, to have kids 
that we 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 didn't get to see you know like it literally and and we had a lot of kids just drop off right some who dropped off where it's like i don't know what happened to them you know and subsequently we found out i had no internet we we you know the computer that they gave us the internet didn't work nothing worked for us you know and and so i think that was the hardest part but the good part now is uh that we get to see them come back and now they're like a full year older like i've seen students and i'm like oh Oh, you dyed your hair. You did this. You did that. You know, you're, and like you're really tall. You're really yeah. tall now. Yes. And they're like, yeah, it's been a year. I've grown, Mister. Yeah. That's that's what happens. Like I'm so so yeah. so. Kevin's uh, son is in one of my classes, and um, and I have not seen him in person. Is it? Where am I gonna be? Him? Am I gonna be shocked? Yeah, he's taller. He's taller than I am. So I think he's taller See, than you are. I, he's, He's taller than both of us. I and think, I think yeah. he changed, I think he changed his avatar on, on Google meet. Um, and I was like, okay, that looks like Takari, but that he looks like he's a young man at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Look like a kid. It's wild. No, I mean, that's been an interesting thing. And um, you know, kind of on a lighter note, I, I remember meeting some of our colleagues in person for the first time in January. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I thought you were taller or wow. I thought you were shorter. <laughs> like oh, every, yes. everybody's <laughs> the same height on zoom. Yep. <laughs> yep. So no, I mean, it's just really interesting to kind of see how that all goes. And, um, and you had a particular response, which I thought was pretty amazing to how to guide young people through their learning, but also through a situation like this. And we are going to talk about that right after the break. Stay with us on Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. We are deeply grateful for all your support these last few years. Your engagement on social media, your downloads, and your enthusiasm have kept us going since we started this Two Dope adventure nearly five years ago. Right, Kev? Yes. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your ongoing support of the content that remixes the conversation about race, power, and education. We have big hopes and dreams that you have inspired and with your support, those dreams begin to take shape in reality. In the coming weeks, you will learn about projects that we can now go forward with because you stepped up. Yeah, we're so happy. Of course, we still have numerous projects filed away that are awaiting your support. You can support these projects by visiting patreon.com slash 2DopeTeachers. Patrons who join at the 2Dope level get a 2Dope Nation sticker. And what's better than stickers? Um, it's designed by local uh, artist Sham. And for a limited time, limited time, the next five 2Dope patrons will get a copy of Cornelius Miner's book, We Got This. What? What a deal. Hey, that is. And it's signed. And That's right. And it's signed. Patrons will enjoy special access to us in the form of Ask Me Anything threads, throwback old episodes, occasional Zoom meetings, and sneak previews to upcoming work and public appearances. Our upcoming podcast series, The Exit Interview, featuring the brilliant Asia Lyons, which highlights the stories of Black teachers who were forced out of teaching, is only possible because of our patrons. And I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so dope. So we asked and you responded. We look forward to growing and learning with you. Let's remix this conversation on race, power, and education. Hey, what's up, people? We are back. Um, in case you somehow didn't listen to the first half of the podcast, which would take some actual effort, like you would have to actually try to not hear the first half. Uh, we are here speaking with um, educator and children's book author, uh, Hodo Hassan, and um, we've just really enjoyed our conversation with you today. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it myself. I didn't know how our conversation can, can swindle in many different uh, ways, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Now I have another idea to add on to it. So I'm there glad to be here. There we go. Yeah. There we go. There we go. So so before the break, Gerardo was mentioning how you dealt with the pandemic. And it, it's like the most amazing thing. 
I think, you know, there was a lot of different ways that people dealt with the pandemic, you know, <laughs> and, and otherwise. And we've, we've seen them all, all sorts of things. The pandemic's been long. So people have done a lot, but you really did something positive. You decided during the pandemic to write a wonderful book, Manamaha and the double cookie party. I love the name. How did you make the decision to write a book and had you always wanted to write a children's book? Are you a writer? Like, is this like, uh, how do, I love this idea because like, I, I love, I have two children and spent a lot of time reading children's books and some can be really, really good. And oh, yeah. others you're, you're like, what is going on? But, but tell it, tell us how you got to this point and, and, I, and wrote this book. I just want to add that like a lot of sourdough bread got baked over the pandemic and this is oh, way yeah. better way better than and i love sourdough <laughs> bread like like i'm a sourdough bread stan but this is way better than any bread that people were baking during the pandemic so yeah tell us tell us about the book i was so fortunate i'm at first i was one of those sourdough bread baking people <laughs> i made croissants there you, um, go. you don't need the you don't need days. the starter you don't need the starter for croissants like that was the part that tripped me up i'm like how old is this stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for the book i think um i've always wanted to do something that was impactful and that reached a greater audience. I just didn't know it was going to be a book. I just seemed that that was a dream of mine, um, mainly because I thought the idea was impractical. A lot of the times, um, I feel that we're going to pursue more practical roots, and it just stems from survival, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, like As someone who was born um, in Canada, I cannot say the same for my family members, because their narrative strives from a dream um, of first-generation children their narrative stress in the dream of first-generation children, um, becoming first-generation adults who really cannot survive, but maintain, build, and grow generations of kids in the name of the person who then left their life to start one here. Yes. When it comes to like the book, I had this image that was set upon this answer. Well, like, how do I make it in a form of a career that's being practical, but at the same time, relive my dream, my childhood dream, which is one that I believe would be this unattainable dream. So that's when I thought, I have this time um, during quarantine. Perhaps I can dabble upon things that I like to do, um, talking to children, one of them, um, and then answering a question that's been in my mind for quite some time is, how can I make math fun? Mm. And, and so... I really wanted to change this mindset of, of math being one that's just visual and having this um, idea where you can make math in the form of rhyme that's also mnemonic and something yeah. that you can remember. Um, when I was a kid, you hear a lot of the songs that are being sung, but you don't really know what the meanings are. Right. But you remember them. It just sticks to you. Um, and so I really wanted to create this book where um, you can create, you can double, um, so the learning goal would be doubling emissions and coupling numbers, so it's multiplying by two, but at the same time, you will always remember it because it rhymes. Mm. Um, so if a kid, the goal for me is if a student reads it more and more times, they'll just remember it inside out so that they know their numbers and it sticks with them. But at the same time, looking at the narrative of my story, um, I really wanted to create a character who's going through the same state as a child who is of a senior kindergarten, senior kindergarten age. Um, the state of going from one learning environment where they're comfortable um, learning with others to one where all of a sudden it's been taken away from them. How can I further adapt to that? And how can I um, help um, and learn my lessons in a way that I'm learning from home? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many layers that like so you were able to sort of no it's so cool like you you were able to bring together um a very empathetic story of a girl going through a situation where she can't be with her teacher anymore mr brad um and um and also so she's so she's got these imaginary friends right and um and then it's also about math and it's also about empathy and it's also about you know, finding a way. It's just such a, such a great idea. I just love it. And um, ah, that's cool. <laughs> well, that's what I love about children's books and children's literature is there's so much to it, right? There is so much. And, and like at times it's very simple, 
but it's like very complex, right? And there's a lot to it. And that's why I think kids like to go back to these books. And I love the idea of, of giving them those devices. That's what I fall back on is like those little memory tricks and those little yep. songs, you know, as a auditory learner, I, I very much appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, those, those like memory tricks too, like when my own daughter um, started learning multiplication, I was like, Oh, they haven't given you a multiplication table. And here I am in my late thirties able to just write it from memory. I can just draw the multiplication table from memory. And it was just like, wow, that's, and she was so like, she was, she was like six or seven at the time. She's like, Whoa, how did you do that? (laughs) You're like, remember when you were impressed with my ability to drop the multiplication table? I know. Yes. It was, it's a lot of memory and just patterns. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, and now, now my daughter is uh, 16 years old and a lot less impressed with. uh, Yes. Yes. I was about to say, when was the last time you impressed (laughs) her? I mean, I, I, I would I would like to say that I think we still have a good relationship, but she just calls me names and makes fun of me more. And um, that's, well, I know. that's that's that's, how, that's the way that a 16 year old shows that she's impressed with. you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, you know, so hold on, I don't know how much you've sort of noticed this kind of argument happening around the issue of literature being taught in schools and literature that children are exposed to. Uh, Shout out to our boy, uh, Madison Payton, who is doing all, he's just fighting all the right fights um, around the canon in English literature and that kind of thing. So, um, so I'm wondering how you view um, Manamahal's, uh, sorry, Manamahal and the double cookie party as part of this larger um, need for good, important um, children's literature. And, you know, how, how has the book been received at this point? I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from my support system, but also when it was launched and published, a lot of, of, of readers who actually reached out to me who, who, were, who were glad to see the name. I didn't think that the name was going to be as impactful as it uh-huh. is today. Um, I chose Manal Mahal specifically, first and last name. Uh, it reminded me of the, the books that I used to read when I was a kid, Judy Moody. Yes, oh, yes, yes. It yes, still yes. stuck to me. Yeah. 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 And so when I want to... Fancy Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can we do the same with um, names such as Manal Mahal, for example, um, and have that name stick with us? And so um, that's been one that has stuck with me thus far and that um, has been received. Now, in terms of the importance of the book and talking about the current conversation, right now the current conversation is the pandemic, um, first and foremost. Um, and how I really want Manal Mahal to be that character who is friends with that of, of the student who is young and, and to understand that this, this character is going through the same things as you are. And when you feel alone, in a sense, that there's always going to be that sense of space and encouragement around you, whether it be through the form of animals, um, but to build that relationship that you're not isolated and that there's other ways where you can you, you can discuss and you can have that conversation and build friendships and relationships with others, even if they're not physically in the room with you. Yeah, that makes me think of my own childhood and how few books there were um, with um, with Mexican kids in them or with Spanish surnames like mine, yeah. like mine, you know, I mean, it's yeah, like you talk about the little microaggressions that you experience when you're out in the world. Like we would, we would travel and we would go into a little souvenir shop and there were no like keychains with the name. Yep. You never see yep. them. There's nothing like that. And, um, and so like the closest I could get was Jerry, which was the nickname that was assigned to me. And I vehemently reject now, but just, you know, that that's so powerful. I know it's hilarious. It's like not on, even on brand for me. Right. Um, and, you know, so so just children being able to see themselves in literature is so important and um, and so meaningful. Like I remember trying to talk my, trying to convince myself that characters were Mexican. I was like, well, Anthony, could, I knew a Mexican kid named Anthony. So I think he's probably Mexican. <laughs> you like, you're looking for your face in the crowd. And I think. Actually so funny. <laughs> I, I used to do the same with the kids on Barney. One of them was Somali. They have to be. Yeah. <laughs> they have to be. <laughs> they have to be, you know, Gotta and you're be. not. 
even if you're in a country closest to Somalia, you're still if that kid on the show. You're Somali to me. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I love that. Uh, I love it. I well, love it. It's so important. I think you know, and 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 from a young age, I think you know, and I. I, I I think it was a movement when I was young to get books with black characters in front of black kids and particular yeah. black boys. Right. And I even remember like my dad, uh, uh, there was like uh, a superhero set. Gerardo, do you remember those? They were like black superheroes or like black He-Man. I think it was called like Human, something oh, like that. Yeah. You remember I, those? Yeah, I remember that. That's right. But that stuff is really important. It really man. means a lot. It really means a lot. It really yeah. means a lot. No, I I, th- I agree, and I and I think that you know, as a person, you know, my mother is a retired teacher, and so um, I had a teacher. We always had books in the house, and um, I w- I went the other way for a long time, where I was kind of like, I'm just going to master the classics, and you know, because you're not going to tell a Mexican kid that he doesn't know the classics, you know. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know what I'm really thankful for? And I really hope that one day um, your book can be on here. I'm really thankful for reading Rainbow. Yes. Um, yes. Because when I was little, man, I used, I did not watch, like the same commitment I have to watching Denver Nuggets basketball now was my commitment to reading Rainbow. I was in front of wow. the I can tell you that's serious. And I can tell you which books like stuck with me. Like the first time I I read this, I heard the story of Anansi the Spider was on. I was going to say, I remember the episode. It's a great one. And how it's animated and how he's like bouncing and, you know, and and that was the first time I learned about what a trickster was. And, um, and the gift of the sacred dog by Paul Goebel about how native people came to get horses and, yes. you know, um, so many books. And, you know, my, my, my mother had to have this conversation with me all the time about why we can't buy all the books. Um, and now I've won. Now I have all the books and my spouse is not a big fan of all the books in the house, but, um, but I just think that that's so powerful to have that representation in, in books. And um, ah, it's amazing. Yes. But, well, I think we've come to the most important question. Um, a critical question because critical it's question. an international interview. And so we, right. we always appreciate the international perspective. We can grow and learn right. new, new, amazing information. Um, so this is the music question, as we've, we've called it. It's evolved. It's, a, it's an ever-evolving question. And um, it is really, you know, it's, it's a free-flowing question. So uh, we normally do a segment called Top Five Rappers, but we know that everybody might not be into rap or hip hop, but uh, we want to ask you, so you could take it wherever, top five musical artists, entertainers, uh, performing uh, groups, uh, but whatever, really, it's it's really, and when we say top five, we are non-hierarchical. Nope. So like your top five does not have to mean your top five. It can yeah, be what's your community. We do community vibes here. What you like to listen to right now. It could be like your, it can be hierarchical though. We don't, we don't limit you there. So if you want to say this is my solid top five, I Number live one. by it forever. Yeah. Right. And you can have ties. You can have like two uh, number threes. You can have four number fours. You could do wherever you want. Really, well, yeah, you're free the, to go. That we call that the Eric Hale rule. Uh, our our friend Eric Hale, who's Texas Teacher of the Year, uh, somehow managed to fit fifteen performers in his top five because he because he went through his fives and then he was like, well, there's a tie here and there, and okay, but if it was a top ten, it would be this, and then if it was the top fifteen, it would be this, and that's you know, true. so it and we and, yeah. and we're here for it. We're here for that, it. That's it. That's it. So with all of that said, the floor is yours. Absolutely. Okay, so now to think of it, based on this, you also mentioned the idea of performance, right? Yes. Artists can be great vocalists, but when it comes to performances, they have to show out. Yes. So I have to put Beyonce on there. Maybe. 110%, because of performance-wise, too, yes. right? I've seen Coachella how many times, and I'm still astonished by how it's um, amazing. she's able to deliver and not like, and still be flawless and effortless at the same time. And yeah. I, I think so it's like the, the first per- song I would just knock it's out. It's a persona um, and not so much individual music, but like just whatever she's performing just kind of gets you deep. Yeah. Exactly. 
And then when it comes to the songs, I put Michael Jackson and specifically, um, till this day, it is Who Is It? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Who Is It? Especially the beat to it. It's just, it gives you a moment. Um, Scream. Yep. Yes. Blood on the Dance Floor. Ooh, yes. Yes. I'm putting those three for Michael Jackson. I'm setting up my cue right now. <laughs> Blood on the Dance Floor is a classic. That's a classic. Blood on the Dance Floor is amazing. Yeah. A classic. We have on my list, I have Bobby Brown. Yes. Bobby Brown. Yes. Bobby Brown. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. My prerogative. Cool. Ooh. Yes. That whole album, that was like, that was seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, that whole album. Seventh grade for me. Good. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely. Because like, it is my prerogative. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I put Akon on my list. Um, yes. There is a lot of songs that you just get going. Yeah. You know? On everything. There was a minute where Akon was on every song yes. that you turned on the radio. Was Akon on that one? Tell me, what do you see? No, wait, no, that's a different one. Um, there was there was one. Oh, which, which songs are you thinking? I'm sitting here trying to guess. Like, <laughs> so there was that era where the Smack That used to come on. The Smack radio. That. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Locked up. Like, he was, he was on. Lonely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lovely. He was on every. Akon was on everything. Akon was on everything. Akon and was then on. he was like featured too. So I remember this one song, I'm So Paid. That's so paid. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like, that is the moment yes. in the summertime. It's like, you're good. That's oh, it. Man. That's it. And then also performance rides about Chris Brown. Oh, yeah. breezy. Chris yes. Brown, from the very beginning until now, it's like, wow. Dancing wise, you got the choreography at hand, yet you're still able to hold the note. Wow. But you yeah. know, like you yeah. mentioned, for the categories, that's one section. Then yep. there's a whole other section for R and B. Okay. Okay. So we have Johnny Gill. Yes. Oh, Johnny Gill. Yes. Johnny yes. Gill on, on my list, along with the whole new edition. I can't leave them out. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we have Joe. 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 These are. This is a. This is great. Yeah. I'm just like. It's like things just coming back up for me. I'm like. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, Avant. Avant. And Avant just came out with a new album, so like I've been listening to that. That's a. Um, so there's um, the old. That's what's Avant. happening. All the all those groups are coming back now. Yep. Like they they get that that age where it's like let's get back together. Let's get, get back, back together. together. Get back together. All those old it artists. Be. I have Eric Benet. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Eric Benet would be on my list, and I would. Say who else would be on my list? There's two more Mario and um, there's one more person, Genuine. Gen- oh, yep. Genuine. There you go. There we go. This, this, classic. This, this is fire. Uh, this, this is a this is great. So, so <laughs> I if if you wouldn't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a couple of quick, com- I'm gonna, like a quick conclusion, and then Kevin can tell you. Uh, kind of, you know, what 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 type of approval we give it. Um, so my conclusion is that you love to dance. I love to dance. That's it. That's <laughs> no, it's it. like or like the dancey feeling, right? Like, cause cause all of all of the artists that you cited, like it's it's an energetic like whole experience. It's not just the music. It's not just the beat. It's not just the performance. But it's like all of it that just kind of brings joy. Am I am I reading that correctly? I didn't think about that, but yes, I when I hear these songs, it's more so like you know workout vibes. You're upbeat. Yeah. You just want to be on point all the time, or after a long day, and especially when you've made a successful goal happen. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. I'm so paid comes on. Like. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You feel it yourself. Drive it home. Yes. Well, and we will. And we will make this a. Um, the episode playlist for the week. Um, and so we'll, we'll grab the tracks that you uh, named and we'll put those on Spotify and get them out there. Uh, just a little fun thing we like to do along with the podcast. So uh, Kev, what do you think? I mean, I know what you think. I, I, I love it. I, I, I love that. I love that list. I think, I think, you know, it, it's a vibe. I think you've summed it, it is up. A vibe. It's, it's a good, it's a good vibe list, you know, it's, and it's upbeat. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what I like. I like, I like upbeat. I like dance. Especially in these times in winter number two, when when I, I, that's all I'm waiting for for the summer. 
Like, I'm going to be hitting it hard. It might still just be in the backyard, but at least now I can have a few people over. Yeah. I can have some folks over. That vaccine. Got that vaccine. vaccine. You're going to have to finally invite me over. Yeah. Get ready for for the Juneteenth party. Oh, I'm ready for it. But don't make a scene. Amen. Don't don't report me if I make a scene. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, I I agree. And, you know, um, it definitely warms up second winter a little bit. Um, And uh, so so we um, would love to continue to uh, promote – um, Manamahal um, and to make sure that people know where to get it so we will be posting a link to um, where how you can get the book and um, and and how you can order it how you can get it for the kids in your life um, and you know we really just hope that you are successful in continuing this do you have any uh, any uh, books that you're working on now any ideas for an, another book or is this a project that was very much a part of a moment for you no, I think this is the very beginning to uh, a new journey um, as a writer. I do aspire to create monomahal educational resources, uh, not nice. just for the younger ones, but for teachers too, to incorporate this story um, as a teaching practice. So yeah. definitely for those who are listening, to stay tuned for that, um, for sure, as well as new monomahal. Monomahal helps them to grow. Yeah. <laughs> Inshallah. Awesome. Get get Very that good. Inshallah. Off. Get that brand strong, you know, definitely. Well, so, um, so, uh, hello, Hassan, we like to take things out. I kind of talk a little bit and then I give a signal and then all three of us together will say stay dope um, as a way to sort of close out the show and give people a good vibe. So, folks, you, if you are enjoying what you hear on Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Two Dope Teachers. Um, if you are interested in ordering a copy of Manal Mahal and the Double Cookie Party, we will have links and a way for you to do that as well. And keep your eye out for uh, for the Manal Mahal Empire that is uh, going to be growing and that will be in your classrooms. That's it. So for Hoda Hussein, for uh, my esteemed partner Kevin Adams, I am Gerardo Munoz. And we want to wish you during second winter, during a quarantine, during a time of vaccinations or not vaccinations, during a time when we're just all trying to find a way to see ourselves and to fit in and to stand out and to make our dreams come true. want to invite you from here on out to stay yourself and beyond all, stay go. Go. out here. <laughs>